بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد فان احسن الكلام كلام الله وخير الهدى هدى محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وان شر الامور محدثاتها وكل محدثه بدعه وكل بدعه ضلاله وكل ضلاله في النار uh, so today we begin a new topic from uh, the book from our book uh, which is a collection of the lectures of sheikh ubaid al jabri hafizahullah ta'ala from the uh, noble scholars of uh, medina and so today's topic is on the hadith of the messenger of allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam which begins khamsun idha abtulitum bihin wa a'udhu billahi an tudrikuhun this is a segment of the hadith um so what i'll do i'll, I'll read the hadith in full first and then we'll look at the commentary of sheikh ubaid hafizahullah ta'ala so this hadith speaks about uh, five evils five major evils which if they happened in the society then there are punishments which which follow and so uh, this hadith has been related by imam ahmed and ibn majah and it is a hadith which is hasan and some of the people of knowledge declare it to be sahih and um, it is narrated by abdullah bin umar radiyallahu anhu and so the wording is as follows the messenger of allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam he said ya ma'shar al-muhajirin khamsun idha abtulitum bihin wa a'udhu billahi an tudrikuhun so the messenger of allah sallam he turned to the the gathering of the companions that was with him and he said o gathering O gathering of the muhajirin of the emigrants there are five things which if you are put to trial by them and i seek refuge with allah that you should reach them there are five things which if you are put to trial by them and i seek refuge in allah that you reach them and then he went on to explain each of these five things so he said first of all lam tadhhar lam tadhhar alfahishatu fi qaumin qat hatta yu'linu biha illa fasha fihim at-ta'un wal awja' allati lam takun madat fi aslafihim alladhina madaw which means never do the people make open the fahisha make open the fahisha which is basically the open shameful lustful deeds never do the people make make this fahisha never does it become open in a people ever until they openly announce it or they make it open they do it out in the open right so obviously this is speaking about uh sexual relations illegal sexual conduct and things like this and they make this fahisha to be to be open except 
that there will spread amongst them الطاعون, like diseases or, or the plague and uh, and various ailments and diseases which never used to occur which never occurred in their in their the, 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 the forefathers who passed before them in the generations that passed before them right so this is the first evil and the first punishment and keep in mind that all of this is like a cause and an effect there's a cause and an effect the second thing he said ولم ينقصوا المكيال والميزان إلا أخذوا بالسنين وشدة المؤونة وجور السلطان عليهم Never do they cheat in the weights and measures Never do they you know, uh, decrease in the weights and measures which means to cheat in the weights and measures Except that they are taken إلا أخذوا بالسنين a meaning here with um, with years of hardship, like things like drought and things like that, famine, and scarcity of provision, scarcity of provision, and the tyranny of the ruler over them. Right, so this is the second, right? The second great evil. The first evil is open pros- promiscuity and evils, open, you know, fahisha. The second is cheating in the weights and measures that occurs within the society. The third thing that he said, وَلَمْ يَمْنِعُوا زَكَاةَ أَمْوَالِهِمْ إِلَّا مُنِعُوا الْقَطَرِ مِنَ السَّمَاءِ وَلَوْلَا الْبَهَائِمْ لَمْ, لم يُنْطَرُوا The third one is that never do they prevent or withhold the zakah from their wealth. Except that the rain is withheld from the sky. The rain is withheld from the sky. And had it not been for the beasts, for the creatures, they would never have been given the rain. And the fourth that he mentioned, وَلَمْ يَنْقُدُوا أَحْدَ اللَّهِ وَأَحْدَ رَسُولِهِ إِلَّا صَلَّطَ اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِمْ عَدُوًا مِنْ غَيْرِهِمْ فَأَخَذُوا بَعْدَ مَا فِي أَيْدِيهِمْ Never do they break the covenant of Allah. Never do they violate the covenant of Allah. The Ahad of Allah and the Ahad of Ahad of His Messenger. Which is obviously Tawheed and Ittiba. This is the covenant of Allah, Tawheed, and the covenant of the Messenger is to, to follow Him, to believe in Him and to follow Him. So never do they violate the covenant of Allah and His Messenger. Except that Allah empowers, empowers an enemy over them, who is from besides them, an enemy over them. And so they, meaning the enemy, take some of that which they used to own or possess. So this now is the fourth evil. And the fifth evil he mentioned is, وَمَا لَمْ تَحْكُمْ أَئِمَّتُهُمْ بِكِتَابِ اللَّهِ وَيَتَخَيَّرُوا مِمَّا أَنزَلَ اللَّهِ إِلَّا جَعَلَ اللَّهُ بَأْسَهُمْ بَيْنَهُمْ And never do the leaders not rule by the book of Allah and you know, prefer or choose that which Allah revealed except that Allah creates strife between them. Creates strife between them. So as you can see in this hadith, 
we see that these evils apply to the entire society, not just the ruled, not just the ruled, not just the subjects, but even also the rulers, right? And it mentions uh, some of the some of the, the the great evils, the great major sins which if committed, then obviously there are evil consequences. So before we before we begin and continue uh, and look at the commentary, I just wanted to make uh, one uh, point because this hadith has a connection to many different uh, Islamic subjects, many different uh, aspects of uh, like creed, for example, and methodology, for example. But one of them I wanted to explain very quickly is the issue of how uh, there are asbab, there are ways and means uh, which Allah Azawajal has uh, created His creation upon. And those asbab can be, so the, so the ways and means and the causes and effects. We know that Allah Azawajal, in what He created, uh, He placed um, causes. So for example, uh, the sun is a source of light, which in turn causes um, the, um, you know, it's the day and warmth, and it causes the plants to grow also in part. And similarly, he created the rain, and the rain itself is a means to many other things, uh, again, for the growth of plants, for, for sustaining life, and so on and so forth. So the first, first type of causes are purely the physical material causes and effects, right? This is simply how the creation works physically. So we, as, 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 as people, we investigate these causes, these ways, and these means, and through this investigation, we gain an understanding of how the creation works. And we are able to uh, also derive benefit. And, um, you know, we are able to produce things and invent things. And, you know, through this understanding. So this is purely material causes and effects. And our knowledge of them is through experience. Right? Through experience. Right? So, for example... You know, you put your hand in the fire, you very quickly learn that the fire is something that burns, and you, you pull it out. And as you, produce, as you, you know, continue through, through life, you learn, learn more things about the nature of, 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 of these asbab. So, and these asbab, as uh, Ibn Taymiyyah mentioned, that Allah Azawajal, ma, ma khalaqa illa li hikmatin. Right? Allah never created anything except for a wisdom. Just like وَمَا أَمَرَ إِلَّا لِحِكْمَةٍ Just like He never commanded anything except for a wisdom. Right? So, so in everything that Allah creates and He commands, there's a wisdom in all of that. Anyway, so this is the first type of cause, right? Physical cause. This is something that it's fairly easy and straightforward for us to learn and acquire knowledge because it's largely direct experience. Right? And over time, we gain knowledge about these things. However, there are also causes and effects as it relates to human actions. Human actions, human behavior. And so for that reason, Allah has revealed in His Sharia uh, the, the asbab al-shari'iyya, the legislated causes and their effects. So for example, you know, prayer and fasting, iman, for example, prayer, fasting, this is a means to enter into paradise. It's a means to enter into paradise. Right, so these are the, these are the legislated uh, acts of worship, the legislated uh, means as it relates to acts of worship. 
And we know that you know, uh, a believer has to bring these affairs in order to enter into paradise. Just like in the worldly affairs, if you want to have children, you have to get married. And if you want to remove the hunger, you have to take food. Right? Hunger is not, not going to go by itself. You have to take the means. And similarly, to enter paradise, you have to take the means, which is iman uh, and al-amlu uh, salih, which is righteous actions. Then also, and this is something we've been informed of you know, in, in the Qur'an and the Sunnah. Then also there are other actions which we are prohibited from, which are unlawful, which we are prohibited from, and for which there are also consequences. And in some cases, those consequences might be immediate and direct. Immediate and direct. Right? So for example, if a thief steal something right you know from a from a hidden place from a protected place and he's caught and it's beyond a certain amount then obviously the 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 consequence of that is that you would be you would be punished right the the consequences are immediate and direct or, or you know close by right the effects are close by but there are some actions whose effects we can't really see in the immediate future or even the, 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 the distant future and these types of effects for those actions Allah has revealed to us some of that knowledge some of that knowledge meaning that if you do such and such such and such will happen and that thing that will happen isn't like an immediate direct consequence right it's not like you know you put your hand in the fire your hand is going to burn it's immediate, you see it, you feel it straight away, and so you, you know not to do that again. Right? Some of these consequences can be far, far in the future without you realizing. And so that type of cause and defect is what is being mentioned here in this particular hadith about these five evils. Right? These things may take can take years, decades, or even centuries for the evils to actually take shape. And inshallah, we'll give examples of this as we, as we go through each particular uh, you know, evil. So what, once that's clear, once we're very clear then that this hadith is, you know, is an example of the causes and their effects, and within the creation of Allah, there are different types of causes and effects. There are the physical material effects that we obviously uh, we all know and understand. And then, then there are the, the, the effects of the human actions, right? Human actions tied to their results and consequences. They relate to those which are legislated in the Sharia, the acts of worship, Iman, and through them you get to paradise. And then there are other things which Allah has prohibited and for which there are consequences and punishments as well. Some of those consequences might be immediate and direct, and others might be in the long term, right? And we know this practically from our own experience, that if you decide to close your eyes and to walk across the, a busy road, you know, you're going you're to be knocked over, you're going to die pretty much straight away, right? But if you uh, eat uh, small amounts of poison, or small amounts of toxins over many, 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 you know, uh, years, the effect of that might, might be long in, in, in the future. Right, so causes and their effects can be very short, direct, immediate, 
or they can be loose and drawn out and you know it's very hard for us to decipher okay what was the pathway from this cause to to that effect we we don't know we we can't see these things and that knowledge is with Allah Zawajal because he is the musabbibul asbab he is the the creator of the ways and their and their means and he is the one who ties the means to their effects and so when we read these evils that you see here you know we don't really know the actual precise mechanism mechanisms and means for example how that if abdullah for example cheats somebody else and gives him you know five kilos of what are supposed to be potatoes but the potatoes are four kilos and there's one kilo of just you know soil whatever that this somehow is going to result in a drought or the tyranny of a ruler right we we don't know what the connection is between th those actions in a society and the eventual outcome right because this is Allah he is in control of his creation and he is the one who mobilizes all of the means and drives them to particular ends and purposes and wisdoms and end goals in accordance with his justice we can't see that right so it is from allah's mercy and wisdom that he gave us or he revealed to us some of that knowledge about the causes and their effects and one of them here is in relation to these great evils right so once that's clear sheikh ubaid hafizahullah ta'ala he gives us some general observations on this hadith some general observations first of all and then afterwards he goes into each point and explains each point so in today's lesson this lesson probably will take you know two lessons uh, it will take us two lessons to cover this topic so in today's lesson we'll go through some of the general observations made by the sheikh and in the next lesson we will go through each of those five points and you know go through the commentary so the Sheikh begins first of all by saying that this hadith, هذا الحديث كما سمعتم يتضمن خمس خصال شنيئة مقيتة. This hadith, as you have heard, comprises five evil, hateful, you know, detestable actions, and the affair of these things is is huge, and the mention of these evils is something that makes a person's you know this region here. Like on the chest, uh, it makes it to, to basically shake, right? It makes it triver, uh, to tremble and, and to shiver, right? Every believer who believes in the last day, when he hears of these evils, then he, you know, out of the fear of Allah, he fears that Allah may hasten the punishment upon him for these evils, either for the collection of all of them or maybe some of them right so some of these punishments allah might hasten them or some of them so he fears this this is how a believer responds to this hadith and he says even if the person is someone whom the punishment falls upon he is free and evil of these sins right so in other words you could be totally free and innocent of committing these sins. But you are in a society where these sins are being committed. And Allah may punish the whole of the society without you actually being guilty of committing anything. And this is 
from the sunnah of Allah meaning that these are things which have happened in history and it is from the way of Allah and obviously there are far-reaching wisdoms behind this and there are proofs you know, for this why this is being done which is basically that he generalizes the evil consequences uh, of, of sin and of calamity right and he punishes both the righteous and the unrighteous right he punishes them both and this is because when it's known from what it's known from them idha ulima minhum annahum lam yunkiruha biqulubihim ma'al qudra ala dhalik when it's known that they did not reject these evils with their hearts alongside having ability right so if in a society there are evils being committed and you, in your heart you don't reject them you don't hate them you don't despise them right the feeling in the heart then this is one of the reasons why the punishment will encompass all of the society right or as the sheikh says aw lam yunkiruha bi alsinatihim wa qulubihim or that they didn't reject it with their hands and their hearts while having ability over that. Right? So in other words, when there is indifference in a society and you see these tremendous evils taking place and at minimum you do not reject it with your heart as, as the minimum or if you have the ability with the hand and the heart to hate it and to change it, you don't do that, and you witness it and you don't do nothing, then this is the re- one of the reasons why the punishment will encompass all of the society. And in fact, this reminds me, I was just reading a narration from uh, one of the Salaf the other day, which is, you know, uh, I forget the name of, of the scholar who said it, but basically he said that when you see a person is loved, by all of his neighbors, then know that this is an evil man. Right? So you might think, okay, how, how, how can this be? How can a man who's loved by all of his neighbors, how can he be an evil man? And the answer to that is because this man observes and witnesses the oppositions, disobedience, the evils that the neighbors fall into, and he never once says anything. Right? He never once advises them. Obviously, you know, that when you start advising neighbors, they, they feel you know, averse to you and maybe they don't like you because some people are not inclined towards good. But at least you have, with wisdom obviously, with wisdom and, and you know, using hikmah and gentleness, that you advise them and you, you know, admonish them and, you know, with, with the things that they might be doing of evil. Right? So the point being here, uh, uh, in relation to what is being mentioned, that from the way of a believer is when he sees evils around him, then... You know he can he he must hate them with the heart, at minimum, right? And if he has the ability, obviously with wisdom and with gentleness and with kindness, he tries to change it. If not, then the statement of Allah Zawajal, fitnatan, fear the tribulation, fear the the, the tribulation or the, or, the, or the punishment. La minkum khasa. So he, Allah he said, fear the tribulation, meaning the punishment, that will not afflict only those who do wrong among you specifically. Fear that punishment, which will not 
only afflict just the ones who do wrong amongst you. So, this is the first point that the Shaykh mentions, right? These are evils. A believer on account of his Iman, when he sees evils taking place around him in the society, he trembles and he fears that the punishment is going to fall upon him. And at minimum, with his heart, he rejects, he despises, he hates these evils. And if he's able with the hand, uh, you know, along with the tongue, then he should change them. You know, obviously, with, with, as we said, with wisdom and with, with hikmah, with, with um, gentleness and so on and so forth. Otherwise, Allah may punish the entire society together. And this is even more so when we find ourselves in the likes of these societies where, where let alone the evils we are going to mention, there are, you know, a large number of, you know, tremendous evils that we find in, in these societies. So a believer has to be faithful of these issues. Anyway, that's the first fight of the first benefit. The second benefit the Shaykh goes on to mention which is that we notice, obviously, in this hadith, the messenger of Allah, he's addressing the companions, uh, the, the, the muhajireen. And um, we find that Abdullah bin Umar, in another narration, he says, Kuntu ashir, asharatin inda Rasulillah, He says that I was the, ten, the tenth of ten men amongst the messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Right? But the point being, uh, the... Uh, word ma'ashar here refers to a small group of people or a large group of people. So the question that the Shaykh is answering is, how come the Messenger of Allah is mentioning this to a, to a group of people in front of him? And how are we generalizing it to include the whole Muslim nation? right? And so the Shaykh goes on to mention a principle which is, you know, لَيْسَ الْعِبْرَةِ بِعُمُومِ اللَّفْظِ You know that, um, sorry, لَيْسَ الْعِبْرَةِ بِعُمُومِ اللَّفْظِ Right, is it not the case that, that when we look at words, we take it upon the generality of its, of its wording, or the generality of its meaning? So here, even though the Messenger of Allah is speaking directly to the Muhajireen and the Ansar, it does not mean that he's only speaking to them, and it relates only to you, and that the, the evils are going to appear. It doesn't mean that, right? Because the Messenger of Allah is uh, expressing these words as guidance for the whole of his Ummah. However, he expressed them at the appropriate time and place to you know, a certain uh, group of people. So all of these, uh, the Muhajireen and the Ansar, they are sat with the Messenger of Allah when he made uh, this particular uh, statement and so this is not unique or specific only to the Sahaba and what is clear of the, uh, uh, from this also is that the messenger of Allah وسلم, he said he made dua for the Sahaba he said billahi an I seek refuge in Allah that you should reach them so he made dua to protect his companions from that they should reach these evils when they happen. Right? So this is a sign and a proof of the uh, nubuwa, an evidence and a sign from the a'lam, from the signs of his prophet, prophethood that he is a genuine prophet. And that these types of statements of the Messenger of Allah that they are true 
Uh, we have to believe in them. And irrespective of whether we can understand them or not, then we still have to have uh, Iman uh, in them that they are from Allah and that they are truth. Right? So there are two benefits that we take from this hadith or that the, the, the Shaykh mentions from this hadith after this point, which is, first of all, that the Muhajirin and the Ansar, he said, Salimu min hadha al-khams. Right? لِأَنَّ Nabi Sallam إِسْتِعَاذَ بِاللَّهِ أَنْ يُدْرِكَهَا أُولَٰئِكُمُ الرَّحَةُ مِنَ الْمُهَاجِرِينَ وَالْأَنْسَارِ Because the Messenger of Allah he made dua for the Muhajirin and Ansar uh, to protect them, then they were saved from these evils. These evils did not happen uh, amongst them. And, you know, if something did happen of some of these evils, then it is extremely rare. It is very rare that this happened amongst the Sahaba, radiallahu anhum. And we are not allowed to now, on the basis of this hadith, or in general, to go around and start saying, for example, you know, As-Sahaba, ظَهَرَ فِيهِمُ الزِّنَى وَظَهَرَ فِيهِمْ هَكَذَا أَسْسَرَكَ We're not allowed to say this, right? We're not allowed to go around and say, Zina happened amongst the Sahaba. Theft happened amongst the Sahaba, right? This is, this is the wrong way to speech. This is the wrong way to speak. This is not allowed. Because... Uh, this, in fact, this is corrupt speech. Uh, it opposes the command of the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu When my companions are mentioned, then you should remain silent. Right? So this is the first point. Even though these evils were mentioned and the Messenger was speaking to the companions, he made dua for them, for them to be protected. And so therefore... If these things happened among the Sahaba, they happened extremely rarely. They are the exceptions, extremely rarely. And given that, it is not permissible for us to go around and start saying, Zina happened amongst the Sahaba. Theft happened amongst the Sahaba. This is an error. This involves re revilement of the Sahaba. And uh, this, uh, this, uh, this is Su'ul Adab. It's evil behavior towards the choicest of the Ummah of Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. They are the ones who took the revelation, who took the knowledge directly, freshly, directly, as it's fresh, revealed from the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. They witnessed and observed the revelation. And, you know, um, all of the scholars after them, from the Fuqaha and, you know, the, the scholars who came after, like Sa'id ibn al-Musayyib and... Uh, you know, uh, Urwa bin Zubair and other than them, they said, when they related things, they mentioned that it only happened extremely rarely amongst the Sahaba. And the only reason we mention some of these examples when it comes or when it involves an Islamic ruling, right? So for example, let's say we want to mention what is the had of zina, what is the punishment of, of, of fornication? Then we say, well, let's go back and see what we find in the sunnah. And it just so happens that in the sunnah, there are rare examples of where this happened, right? For example, uh, the qadiyah of, of Ma'iz, and likewise, the, uh, there was the Ghamidi, Ghamidi woman, the Ghamidiyah, and also the, another one, in another way, the Juhaniyah. So, so these are 
rare examples where this happened and the only reason we mention them is because it relates to an Islamic ruling, the Hadd of Zina. And that's the extent to which we mention uh, these things because it is for, uh, for istidlal, right? It is to derive evidence to show, for example, that the Hadd of uh, Azani, Azani al-Muhsin, the one who is uh, married, uh, is that it is ar-rajam, right? It is, it is stoning. Until until he dies. The Sheikh says that we explain this ruling even if Al Qaradawi rejects it. Who is Al Qaradawi? Al Qaradawi is, is a, a misguided uh, innovator who basically makes what Allah made haram to be to be halal. Right? He writes books and makes what Allah made to be haram to be halal. And you know, as, as the Sheikh says, فَالْقَرْضَاوِي ضَالٌ مُضِلٌ مُبْتَدِئٌ Qardawi is, is a, an astray, misguided innovator. And, you know, إِنْ لَمْ يَكُنْ هُوَ مُنَذِّرُ الْإِخْوَانِ الْمُسْلِمِينَ الضَّالِينَ الْمُفْلِسِينَ فَهُوَ مِنْ كِبَارِ نُظَّارِهِمْ So even if he himself isn't the actual, you know, leader, the theoretician of the Muslim Brotherhood, then at least... He is from the, the from their great kind of uh, thinkers and their theoreticians, and he has many statements of disbelief. This man has very very evil statements. Uh, one of those statements is that he said many many years back, uh, in relation to the Israeli elections, when I believe Netanyahu uh, won by getting you know like something like ninety nine percent of the votes or something. He said that if Allah came down, if Allah Allah Himself came down. And he took part in these elections, even he would not have got the amount of votes that you know this, this man got, right? Whatever. He has many, many statements of which which are statements of, of disbelief. In any case, in any case, um, you know, sticking to what the Sheikh mentioned, the Sheikh mentioned a few things here that we need to just uh, stop upon. So one of the things that the Sheikh mentioned is that we we only mention or go to those texts which might mention some things that the Sahaba fell, fell into where there is an Islamic ruling. And in this case, obviously, the Shaykh is speaking about the had for Az-Zina, which is uh, stoning. And there are some uh, modernists and rationalists who try to be very apologetic to the, to the Kuffar and start to you know, compromise and, and, and deny these things. And we do, we do not deny these things, right? These are from our religion and we're not going to backstep or backpedal or you know uh, compromise uh, this is the the, the the wisdom of Allah and the, the the punishment is appropriate to the corruption that lies in the action right punishments are appropriate to the the corruption that emanates from the action so therefore the thief when he steals does something in that punishment that is befitting and appropriate, that serves the objective that it's supposed to uh, 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 serve, and within it as is al-ihsan and al-rahma for the whole of society, right? And similarly, in this example of az-zina, see some of these things. If we think about them, first of all, stealing, right, where you take the property of others and you invade the space of other people. Right? And even you threaten and jeopardize their life or limb. Right? If this is allowed to go on in society unchecked, then there's going to be tremendous evil. 
right? And so in Islam, that evil is stopped from its very beginning, from, its, from, 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 from even taking root in the society, right? So that's why if, you know, you know that in this country, in most of these Western social liberal democracies, you know, people go around murdering grannies to steal five pound, you know, or a pound even, right? And they, they, they'll murder people, kill people, and they'll burgle people, and these people have to die. And even the ones who burgle have more rights than the one who's trying to defend themselves, right? This is the level that's reached in this society. It's ridiculous, right? And if, for argument's sake, let's say tomorrow, and I'm not saying that we do this, I'm not, I'm not calling to implement anything in this country, nothing like that at all. But I'm just showing that in a Muslim country, this would not allow to take root. Why? Because the thief would know that if he does something like that and he gets caught, well, you know, he knows what he's going to get. All right? So, we do not apologize. We are not like the extremists, like the Tahriris and people like that who start, you know, we're going to implement this. No, we're not, we're not like that. We're not... We free of those people, right? They are evil extremists. We, we oppose them, we refute them, we despise them. We're not, we're not going to deal with them. But we ain't going to step on the back foot and grovel and make excuses, right? This is the shara of Allah And there is wisdom and within it is rectification of societies. If this was implemented, believing in it upon Iman, it would rectify societies, right? Whether you like it or not. So my point being here, as we, as we elaborate upon this point made by the Shaykh, is that the had for every punishment is appropriate to, to, to the evil contained within it, right? So that's dealing. As zina is something that destroys the society, right? It's not just, it's not just okay, you, you've had a relation with another woman, and, but, but this thing, what happens is, it, when the marriage breaks down, then you have to separate. Now you've got children. Right? So now the children are in a, in a, a broken home. Right? So the children grow up and basically they have complexes and they develop certain traits and they in turn are more prone, as, as, as history and evidence and research shows, that they now become more prone to do the same thing themselves. And to also have a propensity to uh, you know, like, like mental illnesses and and you know anxiety and depression and things like that and so so your affair that you had 15 20 25 years ago didn't just stop and end there right it carries through into your children and there's actual research that if, if you if you read the journals of these people you you, you you know you're amazed at how these people do this research and discover all these things and they can't see the wisdom in 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 what Allah revealed of his books, right? So they tell you, and the research will say that children are so sensitive and like subconsciously that when, that when there's something going on between the husband and the wife, the mother and the father, that there's something not right and the husband is trying to conceal something, whatever, children are able to actually perceive that there's something not right, right? And subconsciously and in a very hidden manner, this actually affects their psychology, behavior, and, and things like that in ways which are unnoticed, right? So, so these people know these things, and then, you know, they, 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 you know they, this, is, this is the absence of hidayah. When you turn away from Allah's guidance, you are just in layers and layers of darkness. But the point being, 
you might ask, how come there's this like very, what seems to be a very harsh like punishment where it has to be in public and it has to be like this? It's to show the society that this is an evil, repugnant, vile deed which eats away the society, destroys its children, destroys its fabric and brings ruin. Right? So the punishment has to be equal to the, to the, to the, to, to the crime. And similarly, just like, for example, al-riba, Allah Zawajal, you know, he warned in the Qur'an, فَأَذَنُوا بِحَرْبٍ مِّنَ اللَّهِ That if you, you, know, if you don't uh, abandon it, then, then be warned or, or be announced you know, uh, of, of a war from Allah. Of a war from Allah. Allah will wage war. And with riba, the evil effects of it, you know, takes many decades, you know, for it to, to manifest. And when you see what happens, the whole, like you see in a Great Depression, for example, or an economic, you know, this happens because, because of riba. The debt inflates, increases, and, you know, there's fewer and fewer people who are hoarding, taking all the wealth, exploiting people. And those people, you know, engaged in the riba, took out loans, did this, whatever. And unbeknown to them, Allah is waging war against that society. And they might think nothing is wrong. For a decade, two decades, three decades, four decades, five decades, even a century. And then the whole thing collapses upon the whole and everybody is affected, right? So this is the, this is the danger of riba and the punishment of it is, as you've seen, that's in this life, let alone what's in the next life. So the point being here, that as the Sheikh mentioned, that as he was discussing this principle of not mentioning uh, except good about the Sahaba, radiallahu anhum, and as for these things which happened amongst them, it was very, very rare. And even we only mention these things when it comes to making istidlal, taking out evidences uh, for Islamic rulings. And here the Sheikh mentioned the issue of Ar-Rajam, and he spoke about you know the, uh, the apologists and the modernists and, and the rationalists. Um, you know, from the misguided people. Um, you know, and, and the Shia goes on to say, likewise, anyone who says about these people of misguidance, فَمَنْ قَالَ فَمَنْ قَالَ الْإِمَامَ الْقَرَضَاوِي قَاسِدًا أَنَّهُ مِنْ أَئِمَّةِ الْهُدَى فَهُوَ مِثْلُهُ ظَالٌ مُضِلٌ Right? We don't, we don't praise and give titles to these misguided people because when we praise misguided people, we are aiding in the destruction of Islam. As one of the Salaf said, "Man waqara sahiba bid'atin, faqad aana ala hadmil Islam." Anyone who respects or praises a person of innovation, then he has aided in the destruction of Islam. Now, when you start praising misguided people, then you are directing other people to them, to their misguidance. So we do not praise the people of, of misguidance and, and deceive people. And if such a person, as the Sheikh says, if he's ignorant, then we teach him and tell him, look, don't, don't speak like this, don't praise this man, don't praise this misguided person because he has this evil, that evil, don't do that. Right? So we don't, we don't feel shy to explain these things, as, you, as the Sheikh says, la hayya there's no, there's no shyness in religion, and bil haq, we, we abide by the truth. Um, you know, we don't, we don't fear We don't fear the blame of the blamers. And this is what the messenger himself, he took the pledge of allegiance from the Sahaba, right? That they should speak the truth and not fear the blame of the blamers. As is related by, you know, some of the companions that they 
took the pledge of allegiance with the messenger of Allah al-sam'i wa ta'a in things which you know they dislike and things which they like and that they shouldn't contend with the rulers to try and take power from them and that they should always speak the truth and never to fear the blame of the blamers right so we do not fear the blame of the people who blame when it comes to explaining the truth and explaining the realities to to people anyhow this is the first faida from the from the hadith right what is the first faida first benefit it is that the messenger of Allah he made dua for those sahaba to whom he mentioned these things that they do not reach this time when these evils happen right so therefore the sahaba never fell into these things right except except rare instances and we cannot say zina happened amongst the sahaba you know this happened, we, we can't speak like that this is ta'an upon the sahaba we only mention them in a specific context. Anyway, this is the first fa'idah. The second fa'idah is that, that we take from this, is that this itself is an evidence of how truly evil these things are. Because the messenger sought refuge for his companions, that they should reach this time, which indicates the evil, evilness of, of, the, of these things and the seriousness of these things, which then necessitate upon every believer that he keeps away from these affairs and anyone who's been put to trial upon by them that he basically makes tawbah to Allah uh, you know with with sincere uh, tawbah after this the sheikh then you know in in the second session because this lecture he gave in three <coughs> sessions so now we're moving to the second uh, session uh, of this of this uh, series that he gave and so he says that coming to these five tribulations the people are of two types right the people who are put to trial by these evils and people who are not afflicted by these evils right so how do we answer this question that the people are of two types those who fall into these evils and those who do not fall into these evils. So how then can basically the, the society be punished altogether? So this goes back to the same point. First of all, that the wisdom of Allah, Allah has far-reaching wisdoms and He cannot be asked about His actions, but we will be asked about our questions, right? So Allah has wisdoms in punishing a whole society, even if only some of them are committing the actual evils. And he again mentions that same same verse in the Quran, Fear the trial which afflicts not only not just the ones who commit wrong amongst you only. Right? That's the first thing. The second thing he says he says is that what is apparent to me is that the issue of commanding the good and prohibiting the evil with wisdom, with admonition, with good admonition, this unfortunately is something that, is, that has dwindled and has, has gone away and we don't find that people do this anymore. right? And this is one of the reasons why this punishment encompasses the whole society as we said before. He mentions the statement of the Messenger of Allah, Man ra'a minkum al-munkar, whoever amongst you sees the evil, let him change it with his hand, 
If he's not able, then by way of his tongue. And if he's not able to do that with his, uh, with his uh, tongue, then by way of his heart. And that is the weakest form of iman. Okay? So that's one hadith. A second hadith, and this is a tremendous hadith as well, is, he says, there's another hadith as well, which is that if we are not watchful and careful about the evil and the foolish people in the society, then the punishment will encompass the whole of the society. And then he mentions a tremendous hadith which gives a similitude. So this hadith, as is related by uh, Al-Bukhari, the Messenger of Allah, he said, مَثَلُ الْقَائِمِ عَلَىٰ حُدُودِ اللَّهِ فِيهَا The example of the similitude of the one who abides by the limits of Allah, right? The one who obeys Allah and adheres to the limits. And the one who falls into them. كَمَثَلِ قَوْمٍ إِسْتَهَمُوا عَلَىٰ سَفِينَةٍ فَأَصَابَ بَعْدُهُمْ أَعْلَاهَا وَبَعْدُهُمْ أَسْفَلَهَا The example of the one who sticks to the limits of Allah and the one who violates the limits of Allah is like a group of people, they board a ship, they go upon a ship, and some of them go into the top deck, and others go into the bottom deck, right? Some go onto the top, and some go into the bottom. And uh, and then, asfaliha, And then those who are in the bottom deck, min al when they basically try to look for, for water, marru ala man they pass by and they see these people, you know, on the top deck above them, and they 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 say, فَقَالُوا لَوْ أَنَّا خَرَقْنَا فِي نَصِيبِنَا فِي 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 نَصِيبِنَا خَرْقًا if only we basically made a tiny little hole that we can basically get some water. Right? وَلَمْ نُؤْذِي مَنْ فَوْقَنَا And so that way we don't really bother and harm the people who are, you know, above us. Right? So then he said, فَإِنْ يَتْرُكُوهُمْ وَمَا أَرَادُوا حَلَكُوا جَمِيعًا وَإِنْ أَخَذُوا عَلَىٰ أَيْدِيهِمْ نَجَوْ وَنَجَوْ جَمِيعًا so if the people who are on the top deck um, leave these people to do what they are going to do, then everyone is going to perish. Everybody is going to drown. But if they stop them and take hold of their hands, then all of them are going to be saved. Right? So this similitude here of the ship and people at the top, people at the bottom, and the people at the bottom thinking, oh, you know, why are we going to bother those people at the top there to get water? Let's just get it ourselves from under here. And they start poking holes in, in, in the ship and, you know, uh, all of them are going to drown. And so this is the exact similitude of a society in which some people are violating the limits of Allah and committing major sins and the others are indifferent and not doing anything, not saying anything, not rejecting it with their hearts, letting this happen, whatever. What's going to happen is the punishment is going to engulf everybody. Right? Just like in the ship. Not everybody is poking holes in the bottom, right? Those guys that are at the top, not doing anything. And they didn't stop the ones underneath. And so when the ship starts sinking, 
everybody is going to perish and drown you know, uh, together. So all of this, as we said, it shows once again making the same point that when these types of things, they take root in the society, then you know, the destruction is going to affect everybody. Then the shaykh goes on, after mentioning this hadith, he goes on to say that unfortunately we find in majority of the regions of Islam, we find these evil uh, slogans, right? There are these slogans of Al-Hurriya, Al-Musawat, Wal-Ta'bir, Ra'i, Wa Right? We see that in the Muslim lands, they have been affected by many of these like evil slogans which, are come, which come from the people of disbelief. For example, uh, freedom, right? Or liberty, or equality, or freedom of speech, right? These are slogans of, of, of the communists and the socialists. And when these people want to come and they want to destroy a society, what do they do? They start speaking with these slogans, right? Equality, freedom, liberty, the right to protest, the right to free speech, and so on and so forth, right? They want, to, they want to find a way to alter that society and to manipulate that society according to what they want. And unfortunately, these affairs have penetrated and entered into many of the lands of the Muslims, as the Sheikh says, these Shi'arat, Al-Jahiliyyah, Wal-Mubadi, Al-Kufriyyah, right? These are statements of, of ignorance and they are foundations of disbelief. And unfortunately, they have come to our lands. People have started to believe these things. So they start speaking, for example, by way of example, you know, when they say equality, liberty, right? And they're trying to basically equate between the men and the women and uh, start calling for women's rights, women's liberation and so on and so forth, Right? What they really intend is to break all, break down all of the fabric of that society, right? Allah has made an arrangement in society, right? There is a male and there is a female, right? They are opposites and they fit together like a lock and a key, right? And through the male and the female come offspring, procreation. And there are relationships, relationships which are now created, right? There is a husband and there is a wife. And there's duties from the wife to the husband and responsibility, you know, vice versa. And there's a child, a son or a daughter. And so now there's relationships that way as well. A father has rights upon his children, right? And then there are material inheritance rights as well. So any wealth in the family, it gets passed on. It belongs to the family that the child inherits from, from, the, from, from, from the father and so on and so forth, right? And the primary people responsible for, 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 for raising their children are the parents, right? All of these, this is how Allah has placed things. But if you want to come and you want to break down this fabric of society because you want to embezzle wealth or you want to enslave people, then the way you're going to do it is to break down all of these ties and relationships which, which, are, which form the structure of the society. You want to break them down. And so how would you come along and how would you start doing that? Will you start coming with these slogans, right? You say, um, you know, uh, liberty, equality, fraternity, you know, the, the types of things that these revolutions which happened in Europe over the past two or three centuries, right? These people who initiated these revolutions, what did, what did they want to do? 
They want to kind of break down the society, break down its cohesion, right? And they want to use that to somehow channel the wealth towards themselves and to destroy things like inheritance and destroy things like, you know, uh, the, uh, you know uh, marriage, for example, husband and wife. And so this method isn't something new, right? This is the method of all of the tyrants who seek ulu and fasad upon the earth, right? And the wisdom and the reason behind this is very simple. And I've explained this many, many times to, to people before. Like, if imagine someone came to you, imagine your neighbor came to you and he knocked on your door tomorrow morning or something and he said, you know what? I am your Lord, prostrate to me. You would think this man is, is lost his mind and he needs to go into the lunatic asylum and, you know, uh, whatever. You'd think, what is this man talking about? Right, prostrate to you. This is how you'd respond. Right. So the people who want to be tyrants and seek ulu and fasad, they know and they understand this. And they know that you can't enslave, you can't command and prohibit people until you've got control over the means of livelihood and, and things like that. So what these people do, the first communist was a man by the name of Mazdak, Mazdak, before Islam, he came, and basically he came with two principles, right? He said that, uh, there's, that women belong to everybody, and the wealth is shared between everybody, right? So there's no such thing as you having a wife who's, who's yours, and nor is there any such thing as you having wealth which is exclusively yours either, Right? So when you break down these two things, right, that, that wealth, everyone has an equal right to wealth, and everyone has an equal access to all women, so what have you done now? You've destroyed marriage, you've destroyed all the relationships, that the child, the father, the, the son, the father, right? And so who do the children belong to? Not, not, not to a father or a mother, but to the whole of the society. And who does the wealth belong to? Well, nobody in particular, to the whole of the society. Right? So what you've done is, you, you, you've destroyed the very basis and the fabric of, of the society as Allah um, you, you know, made it and placed it to be. Right? Allah in His creation, He's made some people rich, He's made some people poor, He's made some people intelligent, He's made other people less intelligent. He's made some people to have physical strength in the body. Some people to be weak in the physical strength. All of these variations, which, which, which is the natural order of this creation, is there because it then allows mankind to benefit from each other. It allows trade. It allows you know, employment. Right? These things arise because everyone is different. And so therefore, the rich employs the poor the weak employs the, the, the physical fit and so on and so forth, and value is exchanged, money is exchanged, people earn the livelihood, right? This is what Allah has, has put in His creation to enable these services between mankind. So what these people want to do is that they want to destroy this order, which actually is a manifestation of the greatness of Allah, of His names, of His attributes, and they want to level everything so that everyone is equal, right? 
everyone is the, is the same and everyone is equal. You don't have rich or poor, but you have everybody uh, like you know upon upon socialism, right? So you will get you know you know so 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 everything is basically leveled. So the point being the point being that if your neighbor came to you and said, "I am your Lord, prostrate to me," you would laugh at him. But if in a different situation, for example, let's say that you are living on a on a mountain or a hill and your neighbor lives with his farm up there and the stream passes by and it comes down to your farm further down and you need, you and your sheep and your animals need that water and so he decides, I'm going to start you know, blocking the water or maybe my cows are going to urinate and defecate in that stream right? and then this is going to affect your water and your sheep and then one day he comes to you and he says I think those sheep you've got over there 50 of them belong to me you know, would you like to give them, you know, basically he's trying to blackmail you and, and try to take your sheep from you. And he's threatening you saying that, you know, otherwise basically the water's going to get cut off and all your sheep are going to die. So you might as well just give them, to, give them to me. Now you have to start thinking about things because he's in a position where he's able to basically do harm to you. Right? Now he can start commanding and prohibiting you, right? So when you take this to its natural end or its conclusion... Where someone controls your food, controls your water, controls your livelihood, controls everything, and he's able to, this is when he's going to come and say to you, do this, don't do this, obey, that's when he's going to command and he's going to prohibit you, right? And one of the ways to do that is by way of these evil, filthy, vile, deceptive slogans, right? You start with these slogans, liberty, equality, justice, freedom, freedom of speech and, and although they sound good and it seems like you know you're trying to establish justice what's intended by them is is actually uh, to to is the opposite right it's to is to erode the society and make people easier to embezzle and control and to then command and to prohibit and so this is what the sheikh sheikh Ubaid is mentioning here as he says that these evil vile uh, slogans of jahiliyyah these have penetrated and affected all of the, you know, all of the regions of Islam uh, until, and, and the, the end outcome of all of this, what is it? It is that the people affected by these evil ideologies, they start looking towards the scholars of Islam and the scholars of the Muslims, right, who call to the book, who call to the sunnah, they start looking at the scholars and thinking, oh, you know, they, they are backward. And, um, you know, they, they, you know we, we are trying to call for التقدم والتطور الحضاري. We are trying to call for advancement and cultural enrichment and progression and this. And whereas these scholars, you know, they, they, they try to take us back to the Middle Ages or whatever, right? This is the type of way of thinking that these people, unfortunately, being affected by these European philosophies, socialism, communism, right? And spreading these slogans, so to speak, They've now made the general population have an evil opinion towards the, the scholars of the Muslims, right? And so this is what the Sheikh is basically uh, speaking of. And, uh, and the Sheikh goes on to say, these are futile false claims and the legislation of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam najat wa salah wal falah fi dunya wal akhirah. Within it there is safety, you know, there's rectification, the success in this life and the next. And... He says that, you know, despite what these people are saying, 
these evil people what they are saying. The Shaykh says, I do not know of a single scholar, nor do I know of a single caller to Allah who calls to Allah, to Allah upon Basira, who, pre who prevents people from taking the means, you know, the, the legislated means, to pursue your livelihood and to earn halal earnings and to you know make constructions upon the earth and to do trade and to buy and to sell and to engage in uh, um, engineering and industry and, and medicine and things like that right so in other words what the sheikh is saying what on earth are you people speaking about you know freedom liberty equality this whatever who's ever told you you can't do trade who's told you you can't uh, you know, build industry. Who's told you you can't introduce? Who told? Who told? Who's telling you that? Who? Which scholar is prohibiting you from benefiting from you know the worldly affairs, right? Because the Sharia has come with all of these affairs. It allows you to benefit from worldly sciences. It encourages you to to uh, enter into and to develop the the worldly sciences for the benefit of mankind. So, what are you talking about? That you know we want. Uh, progression and advancement and the Muslim scholars are not allowing us to do this. What were you talking about? Right? This is nonsense. Right? The Sharia has come with all of the benefits uh, in, in the world and it has uh, laid down all of the principles and foundations for us to benefit for what is in the earth. So how can you people come along and say that, oh, you know, we need progression and advancement and this and whatever. The, the, these, the, these are lies. These are basically lies. And so the Sheikh mentions... Uh, the statement of Allah He is the one who created for you what is upon the earth, all of it, all of it. And uh, likewise, He is the one who made for you the earth as you know something laid out. So spread upon it, upon, so so walk upon its various regions and eat from its provision. So. Um, the point being that we should ignore what these types of people are saying, right? There's no, Islam hasn't told us to, you know, leave science and abandon, no. Islam has allowed us to take the ways and the means, it has encouraged us to enter into the worldly sciences upon the correct foundations, that is, right? Upon the Tawheed of Allah, His names, His attributes, not upon the, the, the speculative sciences of the disbelievers. And for us to get into industry, get into... Um, you know, medicine, get into engineering, look at trade, look at earning a lawful, all of these things, facilitating the life of people by inventions, all of that, this progression is something that Islam encourages. Right. Whereas what these people really want, what they are speaking about, these modernist rationalists, um, you know, poisoned by the, the, the philosophies of, of, of the Western thinkers, is that they actually want to undermine the legislation of Allah. Right? They want to follow their desires. Right? And they want, um, um, you know, they're, they're not speaking about these things, right? But they're using these things as a cover to basically uh, undermine and to make what is halal to be haram, uh, and to make what is haram to be, to be halal, and to just, you know, um, that's what they basically intend. So we do not accept what they are saying. Uh, the scholars of the Muslims, walhamdulillah, they call to the kitab, they call to the sunnah. And likewise, they explain to the people the rulings in all these affairs, in trade, in business, in inheritance, in you know, things like that. No one is prohibiting anything from benefiting uh, from the world and from progressing in the world. No one's prohibiting anybody from that. Right? So what these people are saying and doing is basically uh, a lie and it is incorrect. So the Sheikh mentions here something about the scholars. 
uh, the virtues of the scholars that they are the inheritors of the prophets, uh, that they do not inherit neither dinar nor dirham, but they inherit the knowledge. And whoever takes from this knowledge has taken a great share. Likewise, the hadith that we mentioned in an early lesson, uh, that to whomsoever Allah intends your goodness, he gives him understanding of the religion. And the shaykh finishes by saying, and we finish on this note, inshallah ta'ala, he said, if the Muslims, right, if the Muslims, al-hukam wal-mahkumin, if they remain steadfast upon the shara of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa upon the legislation, they worshipped Allah alone, and they were sincere to him in worship, and they followed the messenger of Allah in his sunnah, and they took every legislated means in order to actualize the worldly benefits, the permissible benefits, then nobody would ever harm them at all. No one would be able to harm them whatsoever. Right? And, you know, because the, the Muslims are promised, as the Sheikh says, Bil'iz tamkin fil ard. Right? They are promised with, with, with uh, settlement and might upon the earth. And, وَمَوْعُودُونَ بِنَصْرِ اللَّهِ they are, they are promised with the, the aid of Allah. He mentions the ayat in the Qur'an, يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا إِن تَنْصُرُوا اللَّهِ يَنْصُرْكُمْ وَيُثَبِّتْ أَقْدَامَكُمْ Or you believe, if you aid the cause of Allah, Allah will aid you and firmly plant your feet. And he also said, وَإِنَّا لَلَنْصُرُوا رُسُلَنَا وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا فِي الْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا وَيَوْمَ يَكُمُ الْأَشْحَادِ Indeed, we will aid our messengers and those who believe in the life of this, uh, in the life of this world and on the day that the witnesses stand. And so this brings us to the end of the first two sessions of the three on this hadith. As you can see, that what the Shaykh has done is that he's spoken very generally around the hadith itself and extracted some general uh, points. And in the next lesson, inshallah ta'ala, the Shaykh goes on to mention each of these five evils and the five consequences. So we will leave that discussion for the next lesson, inshallah ta'ala. Uh, and we'll stop the lesson here at this point to pray Salatul Isha. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Wa sallallahu ala nabina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in.